0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. The Qatar dream is over as Scotland lose to Ukraine. Andy Robertson says it's been the toughest few days of his career and two Scottish referees come out as gay. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mark Wilson. Well, it's a wee bit surreal um, today, Andrew, and I think most of the country who expected us to do so much better and who had dreams of going to Qatar, probably the same, deflated because... It was so close, you know, The this group of players has taken us on a journey that's led us to European Championship finals and within touching distance of World Cup qualification and they under-delivered massively last night. A full house at Hamden, it was as disappointing as a performance from a Steve Clark side that I can remember on the biggest stage. Yeah, there's a lot to get through, a lot to get our teeth into, but overall just the, the feeling after it is is a sore one, isn't it? Well it was, I mean we were obviously there at Church in the Hill last night and when we arrived the the place is full and everyone's singing and you could see what it meant to the Scotland fans going along and we're touching it before the show, I mean hugely emotional night of course with Ukraine being involved but once the whistle went the Scotland players had to put that to one side and they had a job to do and the fans were were equal to that, they had every sympathy with Ukraine and they welcomed the fans in and they were respectful but as soon as the game got underway then there was only... One goal that they wanted was a victory, a performance and a victory. And they got none of it. I believe that they were shortchanged. A lot of our big players, well, all our big players didn't show up in the night. And when you come up against a side as good as Ukraine were last night, you need all your good players on their game. And unfortunately for us, they weren't. And we have to wait another four years. Well, we want to hear from you at home, 0141 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. Whatever is on your mind about the game last night, it'd be good to hear from you. So as I say, 0141 that's the number to call. It's hard to know where to start after last night, Mark, because there's, there's so many talking points. I've seen so much on social media. We heard a lot on the phones after the game last night, but... If you want to be as as simple as possible, the better team won the game. I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't really be surprised because I touched on that a few times last night. When you look at the FIFA rankings, they're 24 places above us and their rankings are there for a reason. But I guess with everything that's went on with this group of players and emotionally what's going on with them, uh, the Scotland fans probably fancied themselves Paired that way The run we were on You know And eight games unbeaten This could have been our ninth The the way that these This group of players Had gelled together And gave us real optimism And hope That we went into the game Perhaps overconfident But we forget That that group of players That Ukraine put on the pitch Play for some very good sides And the way that they just You know Played round Scotland Opened up Scotland at times Ran away From you know, the guys were running away from John McGinn and Callum McGregor and Billy Gilmore. We ease the back three of McTominay and Hanley and Cooper, who, who play at the top level, were, were made to look, you know, foolish at times just because of the movement and the ability of the Ukraine team. So as bad as we were, it is right to give all the, the plaudits to that Ukraine side because they were excellent on the night. Well, let's go straight to the phone. Stuart is in Paisley. He's a first-time caller. Stuart, what has made you phone in tonight? I was obviously watching the game last night. Um, really disappointed in the way Scotland played. 
Well, the personnel, I felt we missed Tierney uh, massively because him and Robertson on the left-hand side have built up some great partnership. But my main point is... Uh, the Take that first of all, Stuart, and I'll let you come back in because a lot was made of Kieran Tierney's absence, the fact that he wasn't going to play in this game. Scotland don't have a direct placement that can play in that left centre-back role that can link up with Andy Robertson. I'm not saying that was the issue last night because there were plenty of issues, but that that is one that Scotland are maybe going to need to sort out going forward, that if Kieran Tierney isn't available, there's going to need to be an alternative there. Well, I suppose they are, but remember not so long ago that Kieran Tierney wasn't a left-side centre-half. Steve Clark had to sort of invent that position to get Robertson and Tierney in. And... You know, we were just fortunate that it worked so well. Tierney sort of moulded that that left side centre half position into something of his own. He kind of created it. That I know we see it from time to time. I think Sheffield United maybe played that way, but in our game on the international stage, you very rarely see that a, a left side centre half who overlaps the left wing back and vice versa, and and they seem to dovetail nicely. And it, it, it was hugely beneficial to us throughout the qualifying campaign. There's no doubt that was missed last night. I think, firstly, defensively, it was missed. I don't think Cooper was anywhere near um, the standards that he set uh, in his, his club career. But going forward, it was so evident to me in that first half that any time Scotland got the ball, the out ball was Andy Robertson, which is fine, but he was isolated. There was no backup for Cooper. There was nobody overlapping him. There was nobody inside for him to play with. And it was almost left for Andy Robertson to try and go at two or three Ukrainian defenders and quite often I would hit off him and go out for a goal kick so he was missed at both ends of the park but if we're pinning our hopes on a left side centre half to get through then we're in bigger trouble than I thought What was your second point Stuart? So the Ukrainian um, goal scorer for the second one is it Yaramchuk or whatever his name was Yeah Roman Yaramchuk Yeah so he was booked in the first 10 minutes uh, for a tackle on McKenna he then scored the goal, jumped to the advertising boards and went to the fans to um, to celebrate. Surely that's a second booking. Yeah, we touched on this on the show last night, Mark, and those are the rules. Roman Yaramchuk jumping into the crowd should have been booked, but given the circumstances, is it understandable why the referee didn't <laughs> get a second yellow card out I, there? I, I think so. I think if that's domestic football, then you know, Stuart's every right to call up and say... Uh, look, he should have gone. Well, I, I made the point last night to Daz. Daz was kind of defending that, and I said, "Well, we'll just change the rules, then, will we?" And and laugh. But in the bigger picture, you know the trauma that these guys have went through, the trauma that the country's going through just now, and their families at home. I think it was quite a a touching moment actually that he went over and celebrated with those fans and allowed that emotion to come out. So I wasn't too bothered about him staying on the pitch. There was also no guarantee that that would have really swung the game in Scotland's favour just have. given the way Scotland nah. played last night. Nah, I wouldn't have. Just the way that they were passing around. It looked like they had an extra man anyway. So they were that good in possession and out of possession, you've got to say, that I don't think it would have made much difference. Well, thank you to Stuart. 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. Let's hear a bit from Steve Clark after the game last night, shall we? He says they were beaten by the better side. He also admits they weren't anywhere near as good as they can be. Initial thoughts are the best team won the game. Disappointing for us, as you say. But sometimes the opposition play better than you, and that was the case tonight. 
It's what, it's what we expected. I knew they'd be well prepared, and they were well prepared. They're a good team. We didn't pass the ball well enough in the first half, and that's also credit to Ukraine, the way they pressed us. They got on top of my two ball-playing midfield players, and we couldn't, we couldn't really get out. I decided to make a change at half-time to try and address that and get another midfield player on the pitch and try and play through the lines. And before we have a chance to play with that system in the second half, we're two goals down. And from there, it was a long way back. We didn't play as we can play. We know that. Uh, sometimes that happens in football. And like I said, when we made the change, obviously at 2-0 down, we, we did get a foothold in the game. We, we started to create some chances. John's missed a big chance with, I think, still 30 minutes to go. And if, it, if you get a chance with 30 minutes, if you make it 2-1 with 30 minutes to go, then maybe you can have a little bit more composure as you chase the game. Whereas we scored quite late, and then it becomes a frantic chase. And when it's frantic, the ball, ball rarely falls for you. Yeah, that John McGinn chance is one that I think a lot of people have been thinking about all of today. Yeah, uh, I mean, had the had some of the kids at the the football camp today, and the amount of them that came up and says, "What about the John McGinn chance?" It was that glaring that you know, poor old John McGinn will be thinking about it for days and weeks to come. He's been such a great player for Scotland, such a great return. You know, you can pin a lot of his goals, and I'll just get into the situation we are, but. That was as easy as they come. And if he scores that, I mean, there's, what, 20, 25 minutes left. The game takes on a different complexion then, but I think Steve Clark's spot on. When you score late in the game, it does become frantic. You do start putting balls into the box aimlessly. Things get a bit untidy and scrappy. I think if McGinn scores at that point in the game, then we could actually take a bit of a breather and start to rethink things and try to start, you know, moves in different ways, but... By that time, it was, you know, when we, we scored our goal, it was, you know, just too little, too late. Yeah, there just becomes a lack of patience at that point, doesn't there? Because Steve Clark's then having to, to change the formation to try and see if anything else works and the, the players are all trying different avenues and it just all turned into a bit of a mess you know towards what? the end. I've been there before at, at club football. You've got to say, when it gets to that stage and you're, you get a lifeline and you think, right, let's put this team under pressure. But you end up getting the ball and your centre-halves up front and your midfielders have all lost their shape. They're trying to bombard the box. And I've been in the receiving end when teams are doing that and they think they've got a lifeline it's usually quite easy to defend against because you know what's coming. It's just route one, you know, and if you've got a solid shape, you just knock it down. And quite often, what happened last night, you go up and score another goal just to kill off the tie. Ukraine could have done that on a couple of occasions. So, yeah, the goal just came too late. If McGinn scores, it may have been a totally different game. If we got a second, then who knows where it would have taken us. I think Scotland have saved you anyway because I've seen what your face goes like in 20 degree heat. <laughs> oh, so if you'd oh. been over to Qatar, that would have oh, been well, a disaster. Nah, I would have had to have done the show from here and all <laughs> you would have had to have went. and uh, yeah. Standing lonely in the studio. Oh, I would have. I would have not. Qatar wouldn't have so suited my skin colour. No chance. Oh, well, we're all going to be here. Anyway, oh. 0141951 <laughs> on the phones. Let's go to Frank, who's in the city centre. Frank, what did you make of it last night? Uh, quite literally, we were showing up. Uh, no class. This team, the team we were playing were far too good for us. With failings all over the team, really. And I think it's time up for uh, Steve Clark. He's had a couple of chances, good chances to take us to tournaments. And at the end of the day, we were beaten by a far better team. Far better team. In fact, we're lucky it wasn't a 4 or 5 1. 
Mark, this is what happens after a, a big defeat. The scattergun comes out, some of the players get it, sometimes the manager gets it. Steve Clark was saying himself after the game last night that, you know, it's, it's important to remember how far the Scotland squad have come mm. in the last three years. We got to Euro 2020, we got within two games of the World Cup. Frank says he's wanting Steve Clark to go, but when you think over the past 20 years, we've not been anywhere near getting to major tournaments. Now we're oh. actually have been in one and we're getting close to another. Is that a bit too premature to be saying anything like that? Of course that? it is. Of course it is. And Frank says he's had a couple of chances to take us to tournaments. Well, one of the chances he did take us to the tournament, the last tournament, and he's got us into the playoff, Frank. And look, you, you'd say that there. We came up against a team that were better than us, were too good for us. But that, that's where we are in the world just now. You know, Ukraine are a better side than us. I know we've got players that play in big leagues and for big teams, but Ukraine is as a side, got to the quarterfinals of the Euros. And getting to the World Cup is not easy, especially the route that we have to take now because of so many years uh, out the finals and we, we go in as a, a wee four seeds or third seeds now, whatever, but it's a, quite a hard route. And Steve Clark managed to negotiate that first part. The playoffs are incredibly difficult. That, that proved that last night. So... It's premature to get rid of the manager. I think this group of players trust the manager. I think they believe in his system and 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 what he wants to the way he wants to take them. Just on the night, last night, they underperformed, and again, you can't get it back. Then you know that isn't a two-legged game where you can go to Ukraine and put things right. It was a one shot, and they got it all wrong the night. Frank, do you not think Steve Clark has enough goodwill over the last three years or so that he deserves another chance to take us to another tournament? Well, at the end of the day, he's failed. That's the reality of it. Ah, but he's also failed. succeeded yeah. previously going into Euro 2020 where various managers beforehand hadn't. So, so where's it stop, Frank? You know, you bring, you get rid of Steve Clark, you bring another guy in, whoever, and because I'd, I'd actually don't know who would be out there to take the job on, right, or who I would fancy. He comes in, he doesn't qualify for the next tournament. He's failed then, just get him it. You know, where's it stop? I think we went through all that. And that 20-year gap... Are getting managers in and giving them one qualification or two out the field, get rid of them. This is a guy who's built something in going places. We can't get rid of that. Frank? Hello. I well, what I would say to that is, Mark, again, we've failed. Mark, we can't keep on failing. Every time we, get, we try to achieve something, we fail. Now, the guys had a couple of chances. I reckon. Someday I'll be on if no me I'm no after the guy at all I just think You did say you wanted him up. to go And his time was up I, Of course Of course I do Because I think Alec Neil would do a better job but I really and, do and, think Alec and what evidence, would do a better job And what evidence Of that How would you know well, that the, the evidence is Alex Neil Is every bit as experienced As uh, Steve Clark is Well that's every nonsense bit. That's nonsense well, No he's not well, and, well, and I like Alec Neil I like Alec Neil But no, it's not. Steve Carter's just taking us to the Euros. So how can I, Alec Neil be every bit as experienced as him? Well, hold on a minute, Mark. The Euros, we scored one goal, one goal, a solitary goal, and we were out. It doesn't no matter, we were there, though. Frank, is it not a sign of progress that this Scotland team actually made it to a major tournament after being out of them for two decades? Is the fact that we got there not progress, and yes, we missed out this time, but Steve Clark says he's trying to build something. Do, do you not see any positives from this squad, or do you feel that, you know, what you've seen isn't good enough? Well, well, there's certain players there who you wouldn't have in your team. I'm sorry, I wouldn't have them in my team. 
There's the centre half Hanley who leaks goals every time there's pressure on him. There's Cooper who was thrown in at the last minute. Uh, the, the boy from Italy, uh, from Hearts. Aaron he Hickey. was thrown in at the last Aaron Hickey he was thrown in without any real experience and we were exposed now when it gets to that state you look at the manager and you go this is a guy that's supposed to be experienced he's made so many mistakes last night it cost us it did cost us a place in the World Cup so Frank has named some players there when you look through some of them Grant Hanley has arguably been Scotland's most consistent performer over the last two years. Yep. Liam Cooper's shown up well in recent games when he's played. These are guys that Steve Clark has trusted and just didn't perform on the night. You look at Aaron Hickey, there was loads of people calling for Aaron Hickey to start. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, Steve Clark does start him and it's not gone too well. So people can kind of pick and choose, but I don't think you can blame Steve Clark for picking certainly Hanley and Cooper, two guys who have shown up well previously, played in a spell of eight games unbeaten that, that Scotland have had in recent times. Yeah, no, listen, I take some of Frank's points here in terms of the players underperforming. I mean, Hanley, I didn't think was the worst last night. I thought Cooper had a, a really poor night. I thought young Hickey, you know, just looked young and inexperienced at that level. I thought, I thought Steve Clark had a couple of big calls. Cooper, or McKenna and Hickey uh, or Adorno and Ralston he went with two and it clearly didn't work is that enough to get the manager sacked? no not for me well thank you to Frank 01419511025 give us a call now and you could be up next you are the voice of Scottish football call 01419511025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Mel Gibson's best pal Mark Wilson here with me Andrew McLean in the studio tonight right I need to I'll address that because I've seen, a fo- that I've seen a photo of you on social media oh. with with Mel Gibson what on earth is yeah, going why yeah, what, yeah. how do those two worlds collide oh, listen he's a big fan of Super Scoreboard Andrew as you well know we'll get him on next he's, week then yeah, he's time in Braveheart he listened to Hugh Keevans that's where he got his uh, his speech from no I was at a dinner the other, the other night Mel Gibson was in Glasgow and uh I'm a big Mel Gibson fan Obviously like Braveheart But He's full back catalogue I would say I like So <laughs> I went along And uh, I look enough I don't think him. I've ever met anyone That describes themselves As a Mel Gibson enthusiast uh, Well Think of the amount of films he's in Do you not like any Mel Gibson films? Yeah but I, I don't think I'd, I'd go, go, go along for Go for a meet and greet would you know? wasn't a, It wasn't a one to one Was it a one to one dinner? No, unfortunately not <laughs> There was another 800 people in the room But um, I felt one to one It felt that special That's I was looking into his blue eyes Thinking I was in Braveheart Oh it was magnificent I was wondering why you had your face painted like that <laughs> 01419511025 on the phones Let's go straight back to them Because John is in Wishaw John, what are you thinking tonight? Hi hey guys, how's it um, I've only really turned on the radio In maybe the last half hour So I caught the last call But as much as he's entitled to his own opinion, I would probably disagree with most of it, especially getting rid of Steve Clark at this point. I mean, who do you bring in? I get it's going to be the start of a new campaign, but he's still got to get used to his players. His players have got to get used to any system that they want to change. Um, I just think it would be the wrong thing. Um, I went to the game last night with my two wee boys, and to be honest, when I heard the start of my living, I was quite happy with it, especially the hickey point. Um, I'm a motherwell fan. O'Donnell is what O'Donnell is, right? But I don't think he's personally good enough for the national team. So when they say they be starting hickey, I thought, right, good, this is quite progressive, getting a young guy in that's doing well in Italy. But he didn't have a good game, but 
I'd probably either stick with him or see if he played Ralston. I'd have probably been quite happy with that as well. Because um, at least it's a bit of pace. However, that is what it is. It's just that one of those games where nobody really played well in the night. I wouldn't blame Steve Clark for that. Although, to be fair, right, Ukraine played us off the park. Nobody, I think, would turn around and say Scotland deserved anything out of it. The only thing I would have said last night is I wondered what was our system. Um, Ukraine were constantly playing one twos round us to the point where I played amateur all my days and probably a low junior team, uh, junior level, but it was that way when they were playing one twos. A lot of the time the Ukraine guys were past their players by the time they were reacting. So to me, Ukraine looked a better football team, probably just doubted what was Scotland's system on the night. It kind of just, some points, it was just let's go long ball to London Dykes and hope we can get a knockdown, which to me was, that wasn't progressive, that was going back the way. And that would be my criticism of it. Yeah Mark that did seem to be the, the tactic for a lot of the first half The ball was going long to Lyndon Dykes Scotland weren't winning any second balls You've then got ball players in the middle of the park Like Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor John McGinn as well Who just weren't really getting involved in play And then when Ukraine got on the ball in midfield They just strolled through the middle of the park Yeah I think John makes a lot of good points there You know about the personnel uh, I, I think he's right I think a lot of Scotland fans I, I would say the large majority Would have heard that team and thought Brilliant you know, young Hickey's in, he's a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, and the others that were picked two up front positive. And he's right about the long ball. We we recognise it after about twenty minutes saying, Well, this isn't this isn't really working. Even when Dykes was winning flick ons, you know, Adams just wasn't in the the same page as him. And when the strength of your team throughout this full campaign and the Euros has been Billy Gilmore and McGregor and McGinn so strong in there taking the ball with even players so close to him, it would just bypass them. And the guys last night were saying, well, that's credit to Ukraine. They stopped him playing that way. I slightly disagreed. I still think that our centre-halves could have played it into Gilmore and McGregor. I think they're good enough to even have that ball. Just even shift a midfielder to make that second ball up to a striker easier and more productive. And I don't think we even looked that way. Now, my take on that is that that was a call from the manager. Because, you know, you just don't do that off the cuff when you've got players that aren't in front of you. So I think Steve Clark told his team to play that way for the first half hour and then maybe change after that. However, when you get to that half hour and Ukraine have just ran all over the top of you, it's very difficult to get your bearings. And by that time, we were stretched. And like John says, they were finding space so easy and we couldn't match them. John touched on Aaron Hickey there. And, you know, despite the fact that he was thrown in for his first start, He's played a lot of big games in Serie A against top opposition. There was a lot of positivity from Scotland fans I saw on, on social media. We had some on the phones as well when the starting lineup came out that Aaron Hickey was starting. It obviously didn't work out in the end, but was it a gamble worth taking for Steve Clark, do you think? Um, well, the evidence says no. Um, me personally, and again, I keep going back to last night because before the game, we were all asked, the four guys that were... Uh, on Church in the Hill Who would you play We all say it's Adorno Purely because Adorno Knows that team He knows the system He's played in big games before This was one of the biggest You know what you're getting from him Hickey There is no doubt He's a terrific young player And he'll probably go to Arsenal For 20 million Or whatever it is But to pitch him in For his second cap On the right hand side I know he's a right footer But he's played predominantly On the left And ask him to do A similar job That maybe Patterson done I think it was a big ask for the boy and it clearly didn't work 
I was surprised that he went down that road last night. John, is it hard to feel positive going straight into the next campaign or you try not to let it get you too down? Oh, 100% I'm down <laughs> at the moment. It's like every campaign, though. I remember back to when we had the chance to beat Italy and go through or France. I mean, there's always been these games, but no doubt when it comes back to the next campaign and you forgot about it. But I don't know. On the history one, I was just happy because how many times you see, like, say, an old firm game or whatever and they, they play a youngster and they go in and they have a cracking game. That can be the making of them. Um, and to me that's what I was hoping for Hickey that he would have I don't know seized it he's just not done it it's just one of those things but I don't know for me it was like that Scotland didn't really press until probably about 70 minutes and like you said before they lost their shape and all that but especially in the first half you kind of wanted like, he went with a positive team he went to up front but we didn't close down at any point the number of times you seen Scotland they would drop off as soon as Ukraine had the ball at the back and I mean, look how nervous the goalkeeper seemed as soon as we scored the first goal as you could see When you put them under pressure They did They panicked a wee bit um, But I don't think you, can, you can't wait for the last 20 minutes Before you start to do that And that probably does come back to Steve Cartley and like, Was that the tactic? We go with a, To me quite a good formation Quite a good attacking team But we didn't Have a look to be on the front foot um, Whereas Ukraine They were quite happy with Do you know what? We've got hit you in the counter attack here And then They score a goal For a long ball For a defender I mean that's that's not even schoolboy stuff. That should not happen in international football. Is you play a long ball over the top, a high line, and the West Ham strikers not even the fastest guy in the pitch. Do you know what I mean? And he, he gets a one on one. So it was just hindsight's a great thing. Um, but for me at the time, I was happy. So I'm not going to slate Steve Cart because at the time I thought, do you know what, this is good. Um, it just didn't work out. You know, something's not going right when a manager's having to change the system at half time think, and then change yeah. it a game half uh, change it again sorry halfway into the second half and you know what you you've got to give Steve Clark credit for that because he he went positive like we were saying there everybody going along would have thought yeah this this looks good but i think he, the criticism in the euros was that he didn't change it quick enough at times when we looked like we were struggling he did change it at half time and then you put your trust in the players who go on and when you lose that goal so quick into the second half you i mean you're busting uh, so things don't go to plan I thought Chris had done well when he came on I thought Armstrong played a part when he came on as well um, and he changed it again of course to try and get something but by that time it was just too late and people talk about Aaron Hickey having an off night it's it's understandable when you look around the rest of the team and there's players that have multiple caps some have played in Champions League finals some have played you know, multiple games in the Premier League and plenty of them had off nights as well it just for him to go into a game like that and to try and you know put in a good performance when most other players around him aren't is, is a tough environment to be well, in. Well, I, I, I can't remember a time that so many of our players had an off night. You know, even John McGinn, who's been so reliable in a Scotland shirt, literally could not control the ball last night. I mean, he had acres of space at one time in the second half, I think it was, and he took such a heavy touch. It looked like the occasion got to your players. It looked like they knew... That the eyes of the world were on them in this game and the the hopes of the nation, our nation, was on them. And it just got to them. And Hickey, I suppose you can excuse him because he's young, it was his setting cap. That's why I was so surprised that Steve Clark would have gambled on such an important position on someone so inexperienced. Well, thank you to John 01419511025 on the phones. Let's hear a bit more from Steve Clark. He says the Scotland players and staff are hurting. He says it's key they bounce back and he's confident this group of players will make another major tournament. The first thing you have to do is you have to suffer together. So I'm suffering, my coaching staff's suffering, and more than anybody, the players are suffering. So we'll have 
24 hours, we will feel sorry for ourselves a little bit. We'll analyse the game as a coaching staff and as a group of players. And what we'll try and do is we'll try and get back on the back on the horse, if you like, for, for wanting a better phrase. And, and, and we'll try and go again, we'll go again. We, what we shouldn't forget is the progress that we've made over the last three years. We came into here in a really good shape, eight games unbeaten. And like I said, it wasn't our night, it was Ukraine's night, so congratulations to Ukraine. And that's why it's important that we don't forget how far we've come over the last three years. As a group that's developed together, we have to qualify for Euro 2024. And then beyond that, by the time you get to the World Cup 2026, this group of players will have more caps, more experience, and should be better. And that's what we have to aim to be. That's the thing, this group of players and the staff, they can't really wallow in this because there's another game on Wednesday and then there's another two games straight after that and these games are crucial if Scotland want to make it to the next major tournament Yeah, we can't lose sight of that because I know we're on a wee bit of depression just now at the result last night and you can you only imagine what the players are feeling at this moment in time waking up look at Andy Robertson you know his last 10 days that he's he's lost the Premier League title the Champions League and the World Cup he's got no time to rest that is modern day football nowadays you've got very little time to sit back and take stock and you're right how we got to the the Euros and our previous successes through this tournament so next week's games are huge they'll have a few days off the players but need to get right back at it and try and put this behind them 01419511025 if you want to get in touch Ross is in Rutherglen Ross what did you make of it last night? Hi, Paul. Hi, Andrew. Thank, hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I sat last night with uh, with my dad and my son and we watched the game. Um, and like probably the most of the nation, we had, we had high hopes. Um, the worry for me was that the everybody, the focus seemed to be on Sunday in Cardiff. Um, and that for me was a huge worry that we had to get through last night. First of all, uh, which obviously we we haven't done. Um, but the the point I was looking to make tonight was that I, I agree with your previous caller. We started positive with uh, with Dykes and Adams up front. Um, half time didn't work, so he decided to take uh, Lyndon Dykes off. However, we then midway through the second half brought on uh, Jack Henry for Liam Cooper. When we've got Ross Stewart sitting on the bench, who this season has scored twenty six goals. Sunderland. Now, I, I understand. Ross, your surname's not Stuart, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. I'm getting there, but I'm not that good. <laughs> um, so I think he's he's scored 26 goals this year. Adams and Dykes together have scored 16. Um, Dykes is struggling to get a game for QPR. Um, and yet, when we needed goals up front last night, we didn't bring on a man who's banging form. I just think that that for me was a questionable decision um, and one that possibly could have cost us. Yeah, Mark, what did you think of that change? Because I think maybe a few people were surprised at seeing Jack Hendry stripped and ready to come on. Was that a case of him coming on for Liam Cooper because he's maybe more likely to be progressive from the back four? You know what, I was baffled. Where I, unless there was some sort of injury. But even at that point of the game... I think Ross makes a good point. I've got Ross Stewart written down here because you look at it. You looked at Shea Adams at one point. Remember, he was stretching his hamstring and he looked struggling. And you think, well, you got a striker on the bench, or just use him. You need a goal, just get him on. Anything can. Ball could fall to him in the box. He could swivel. He, he, he could just put one target. That was surprising. Um, and I'm sure Ross Stewart is probably strikers are selfish and probably when they it got to about eighty. Two, eight, three minutes. He's probably thinking, "I'm a certainty to go on here. We need a goal, 
And he's probably as surprised as anybody That he didn't get the shout Yeah I mean you'll expect him to get game time Surely in the next three matches But as you say he probably would have been pretty surprised To see Jack Henry getting the call ahead of him At, at that point I, in the game I can only imagine that You know we've seen Jack Henry stride forward into midfield Because he's got pace and he's athletic With the, with the ball at his feet as well Maybe Steve Cart was thinking that Someone who can you know, drive into midfield and maybe attract a Ukrainian player and then he can pass around him or at set pieces he's so physical that he would be a threat at that but it doesn't quite work with the fans the fans see a striker the fans see we need a goal they put two and two together they think well he must come on and it didn't happen so I was as surprised as anybody he will probably get game time um, but I just think when Shea Adams went down and it looked like he was he was done I thought that was the time to get him on do you want to come back in, Ross? Yeah, I mean, even to that point, when Mark was saying there, you know, I understand where with the Jack Henry because he has, you know, he has got strides, he can come forward. But even towards the end of the game, um, when we were watching it, with, again, four, three, four, five minutes to go, and John Souter was mentioned, um, you just think that, why are you bringing on yet another? I mean, Grant Hanley was playing up front. I would have, if anybody would have took Grant Hanley off, and put Ross Stewart on there, gave him that extra five minutes. Um, and if even that, you get a goal, it's 2-2, two, two, it goes to extra time, you've got a fresh striker on, and you know then you've got the opportunity to you know, wear Ukraine down, who were looking tired to the point where just before they got their third goal, um, because we were stretched, you think there's a perfect opportunity where we could have had a, a second goal and then could have pushed on in extra time. It's hard to get into the mind of a manager in the latter stages of a game when they're chasing it. Well, what is that? I like, mean, what? well, I mean, <laughs> I know when you're a chasing slight, it. A slightly a lower two. level. Yeah, week two getting beat off Stenhouse Moor. <laughs> I know what it's like, and your brain's a bit frazzled. And a World Cup qualifier with 50,000 there and uh, everything's slipping away for you. I can't imagine it. I mean, Steve Clark's a very calm and calculated manager. You see that his emotion never really changes. So he always looks like he's in control. But the biggest occasions sometimes makes you do strange things. Maybe it just slips his mind. That's why he's got staff, I suppose, to come down and say, look, should we not put Ross Stewart on here? But slightly odd decision. He must have thought he was getting something from Jack Henry. And with Ross, I did see John Souter as well. So what's the thing behind this? Maybe a set piece again. So an odd one. Well, thank you to Ross, who claims he's definitely not Ross Stewart. 0141 Give us a call now and you could be up next. 0141 This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Wilson here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141 If you want to get in touch, Craig is next up in Cumbernauld. Craig, what did you make of the game last night? Oh, hi, Andrew, Mark, you doing? Um, hugely disappointing, of course it is. Um, I think, you know, we just... I can't really put my finger on why we were so poor. It was like, you know, we were the home team, but it was almost like we didn't use that any of that to our advantage, that we didn't respond to that, that um, the, the players just weren't up there. Um, I also think... To be perfectly honest with you, I think Steve Clark got it wrong. Now, I don't like saying that because, you know, I, I'm the one of these people that's going to have a knee-jerk reaction because we have a disappointing result and, you know, call for his head and things like that. But I do think he got it wrong last night because I don't know. And I mean, Mark, you're a defender, so maybe you know. I don't understand and I don't know how many mistakes Scott McTominay has to make as a defender before Steve Clark realises 
he ain't a defender. He's a midfielder. That's what he plays at Manchester United. And for some reason, Steve Clark seems to like him there. Whereas I would have much preferred to have seen somebody like an Anthony Ralston or something like that playing in that position last night. I would say that McTominay though has had a lot of good games uh, for Scotland in that position. I think he, he, the way that we started playing with Gilmore and McGregor in that midfield, McTominay suited that. Getting the ball through the keeper, being able to stride past a striker into midfield and calmly play it in. I, I thought he brought a lot to his. Uh, I'll not disagree, last night I thought in the first half he was, I mean, all over the place. Couldn't match a runner, couldn't get near anybody, even in possession. I thought he was poor. I thought he was slightly better when he went into midfield, which Craig's saying that that is his natural position. But Steve Clark clearly likes him in there. I don't think Ralston would have come into thinking to play right centre half, but I think perhaps maybe John Souter might have been a shout to play that position because he did so well against Denmark. But... um, yeah, McTominay is near centre half, but he's he served Scotland well there in the past, and that's why he was picked last night. Craig, did it just feel like a, an off night all round? It did, but see the thing is, the, the thing I was thinking about today, and I don't know what it, if there's anything to this, but when you look at the big games we've played under Steve Clark, if you include the two games in the in the Euros we played at home, if you look at the even Israel game in the semi final of that playoff to get there last night. We haven't performed well in any of those big games where we've been at home. You know, the Israel game, yet we got through it on penalties, but I don't think any of us would say it was a vintage performance. It wasn't great um, watching, but the memory is that you get through. But then, weirdly, the the two big games in that period of time we had away from home, away to England at Wembley, down south again, we probably should have won, and then obviously beating Serbia and it was although that went to penalties far better performance it feels like to me these players don't know how to perform uh, in the big occasions at Hamden but maybe feel it easier when they're away from home maybe there's less pressure because you're not at home I don't know do you agree with that Mark? feels like to me Maybe, I mean, because the evidence is there. Some of the games that Craig's mentioned, you know, you take the Euros into it as well, where the expectation, you know, surrounding Hamden is absolutely huge. The players recognise that, and there has been a lot of games that we expect better performances and results that's just not happened. Um, Last night kind of tops it all off, or even if you go back to Czech Republic, you know, everybody think, no, this is a big one, and kind of similar performance, but... Look, there's been big performances there as well. Look at the Denmark game, as good as I can remember Scotland ever playing there. Um, it's slightly different when you're at home and the onus is on you to go and win the game. And, you know, I think Ukraine, that suited them down to the ground last night. They just lapped it up and popped the ball around Scotland. Craig, Steve Clark talked after the game, you know, saying, you know, don't forget the progress over the last three years. Is that something you're happy with, what you've seen from the national team last night aside that it is going in the right direction. Yeah, I think it is going in the right direction. I think, you know, it is clear to see that there is still work to be done, that we do have a wee, that wee missing piece to go that extra level. Obviously, listen, last night doesn't help when you're missing, you know, one of your best defenders uh, and one of the best players in Britain and Kieran Tierney. Um, but I think the aim now for this team has got to be to go and get through the Nations League get into the, Euro, the, the Euros which I think we, we will um, because without sounding a bit condescending it's kind of harder not to qualify for that tournament these days than to qualify so we should get there but the aim for me has to be 
can they then go and perform there once if they get there? Can they go and win a game or two? Can they get out of the group stage? We've seen it in the Euros that if you win one game, that's actually proved to be enough to get through the groups. So that's is positive to go in that direction, but I do think we need something more to be able to step up in those big, big occasions because they don't come around too often for us. Um, so when they do... And these players, some, I mean, guys like Andy Robertson and that, they know what it's like to play in big occasions. You know, he's won Champions League. Um, so it's not as if they don't know how to do it. I just think, as a collective, they maybe just need to get there. But I suppose the next game's only in the corner. If we get a decent result against Armenia, it's a good start down the path. Mark, a lot of people have talked about the fact that the Nations League is good because it means you don't have these meaningless friendlies. But is there a downside to it that because... There is no meaningless friendlies. It's harder for Steve Clark to actually experiment because every game at the moment matters and counts towards the next major tournament. I think we're in a place just now, though, Andrew, that we, we don't really need to experiment. I get like Ross Stewart on the bench and things that he will get minutes, but I think Steve Clark's built a, a good structure here. I think he's got a good group of players that there's very few going to be retiring, if you like. You know, Craig Gordon, of course, <laughs> his age, but the rest of the group at a good age so I think the Nations League has actually came along at a good time for us that gives us a good opportunity to get to tournaments the more this group gets to major finals and competes on that stage and deals with the pressure the the better when it comes to the actual World Cup qualifications in games like last night Final point to you Craig Yeah I would totally agree with it I think that's that's what it is it's all about the experience you know we experience the highs of winning a playoff round um you know, a couple of years ago we've experienced the lower losing it now and I think that is probably if there is any good thing for losing a game like that last night is it will be experienced for the players and maybe with the experiment and I do think that there's a couple of players should get into the squad but ultimately I pack up that experience and, and go again because these boys have to realise what they've done is the best Scotland team or rather most successful Scotland team we've had since, you know, the 90s so they have to be proud of that and I think just believe in themselves a bit more as well. Well, thank you to Craig. There's another topic today that I wanted to touch on. Maybe not got as much time as I would have wanted to, but we'll definitely talk about this more in the future. Two Scottish Category 1 referees today came out as gay. The first openly gay figures in the men's game up here since Justin Fashionu in the 90s. Craig Napier spoke bravely today in an interview with the SFA, while Lloyd Wilson did the same in a sit-down interview with the charity Back On Side. They're hoping they can spark a culture change in Scottish football. Let's hear a bit from that interview with Craig Napier. It's something that I never thought I'd be sitting here doing. Um, it's something that I've obviously lived with for, for a long time. Um, it's been a difficult journey to get to this point, but over the last couple of years, it's become a lot easier. And I think that it's really important that people like me are willing to sit here and do this. I don't think this needs to be a news story, but I think at the moment it really does because we need to see uh, the climate change so that people do feel that they can be their true self and, and live um, happily and comfortable in their own skin. And that leads to then transcend into football. Yeah, Craig and Lloyd both spoke extremely well today and it takes yeah. immense bravery for the two of them to to come but, out and say that today. It certainly does. In your sport, Andrew, especially because it doesn't happen much. Uh, and I would congratulate them on their bravery. But isn't it sad that there are still people who are afraid or, or live we're not being comfortable 
about coming out. You know, we're in a modern world now and things should be much better, um, should be a safer environment for people to come out and express their feelings and their sexuality. So got to take my hat off to the guys because in Scotland it's very rarely seen and we just hope that that is the kind of floodgates open for people to have the bravery to follow them. Yeah, because I've seen a few responses today of people saying, you know, why is this news? But it's news because sadly, you know, people being open about their sexuality in, in Scottish football isn't the norm at the moment. And the yeah. hope is that these two guys coming out and showing that bravery and, and showing that they can be open, that it can inspire others to just feel comfortable in, in their own skin and, and live, their, live their lives as freely as possible. Well, that's it. Can you imagine going to your work and, and feeling that you had to hide something, your sexuality or anything about your life because it may not fit with everyone else about? It's horrendous to think that. So... I would congratulate these two guys, I would congratulate the guys in England, the players who have came out, and like I say, I think that will be enough to allow others in our game, I'm just talking about our game football, to come out and openly um, express their sexuality and have nothing to fear or no backlash to fear. Yeah, well, it's a very important topic and it's one that we are certainly going to talk about a bit more in the future. Unfortunately, we have run out of time tonight, but thank you for all your calls. Thank you for all your tweets. Thank you for listening in as well. Unfortunately, it wasn't the result we all wanted last night and sadly, we don't have a game in Cardiff to look forward to this weekend. But I'll be back tomorrow night with Stephen McGowan and of course, there's lots of transfers, domestic stuff that we haven't touched on in the last few days that we'll get our teeth into and Scotland are back in action next week against Armenia, a couple of games after that as well. So plenty to look forward to, plenty of talking points and make sure to stick around because Callum Gallagher's up next.